red, yellow, green or blue, what does your colour mean for you? Join us now in this introduction to the Spectrum Behaviour Model from evaluationstore.com. This is the Spectrum Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Spectrum Podcast. This episode is episode one in a short series of podcasts that we hope will help you understand more about the Spectrum Behaviour Profile from Evaluation Store and how you can use it. My name is Nick Skinner and I'm an organisational development consultant and facilitator and for the last six or seven years I've used Spectrum in my own work and with a range of clients across many different industries. Yes, it's true there are many psychometrics and behavioural profiles available on the market but the fact that you're listening to this podcast suggests that you found something in the Spectrum model that perhaps hold particular relevance or interest to you. Maybe you're a coach, a consultant, a trainer working in the field of organisational development and learning, or maybe you're someone who's recently completed a profile online and who just wants to know more about how the profile can help you. Or maybe you're just interested in human behaviour and you love this kind of thing. Either way, we hope that what we offer in this and the following episodes will enable you to really get to grips with what is one of the most practical and meaningful behaviour profiles that you will ever take. Now, you'll be pleased to know that it won't just be my voice that you'll be listening to in this series of podcasts, and I'm delighted to say that I will be joined in my journey through Spectrum by two of the people who are at the heart of the development of the model. So here I sit, surrounded by Stevens. First up, we have Steve Berry. Steve is the mastermind behind Evaluation Store and the man responsible for the commercial development and use of the Spectrum model. He is a well-established conference speaker, leadership coach, and the author of a well-known and excellent book on strategy entitled Strategies of the Serengeti, as well as other books on the topic of leadership and management. Steve works as a consultant to many businesses and corporations that will be household names to all of us. Uh, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Jake. Uh, Thanks. Good to be here. And sitting next to Steve, we have Steve. So it's nice and simple, this. This is the way we like to keep it. Uh, Steve Jarrett. Steve is a human resources business partner, learning and development consultant, employee relations manager, and a specialist in change, OD, and strategy. He was an instrumental force behind the creation of the model. He's a qualified life coach and a counsellor in cognitive behavioural therapy, a practitioner of neurolinguistic programming, and the author of four books on human resources, all published in the UK and US, the three most recent of which, I should declare, were written as co-author with myself, uh, but don't let that put you off. He's also someone who works in associate capacity with my own business, Poppy Fish, and is the person that first introduced me to the model back in 2012. So, hello, Steve. Hello, Nick. Thank you very much for inviting me to be here. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you're going to tell us about Spectrum. So, in this first episode, what I'll be doing is asking the two Steves to give us an introduction to the model, and give us some pointers about how we can get started using it. Then what we'll do in subsequent episodes, we'll be looking at the model in more depth, taking a closer look at the colours, the blends of colours, and some thinking on how you can use Spectrum for personal development as part of a coaching programme, or as a core core tool for leadership development and team effectiveness. We also hope to be interviewing some people in organisations who will explain to us how they've used Spectrum and what impact it had for them, And we'd also love to hear from you about how the Spectrum model works and how you've experienced it and to also hear from you how you use the model and what difference it might have made for you in your own work. But 
that's all for the future. We need to start in the here and now. So let's start at the beginning. Chaps, tell us about Spectrum. Spectrum is basically a behavioural evaluation. It's a simple and effective tool which allows managers, employees, supervisors to do a series of things, to communicate better, to influence better, and to do all that with less stress. But one key point is, it's nothing new. Uh, the type of behavioural model that we've been looking at goes back at least to the ancient Greeks. We know that Aristotle and Hippocrates and Plato had various versions of this in the 300s BC, but there's some indication it might well go back more than a thousand years prior to that into the ancient Egyptians. So we're not talking anything new or anything rocket science, we're talking behavioural evaluation. There are loads of these on the market, approximately 250. Uh, the market leader is probably DISC, which dates from the 1930s. In decline, but still quite widely used, is Myers-Briggs, which dates from the 1940s. Altogether, these 250 variants, there's about four billion US dollars spent on those over the course of the year. So Evaluation Store Spectrum is really quite a small player in a large market of behavioural evaluations. So what makes Spectrum different then? For me, it's um, very, very simple to use. So uh, one, of the, one of the issues that a lot of behavioural models have is you have to be licensed to use the product. You have to have uh, somebody interpret the data. Um, they are typically very, very expensive. Some of them are hundreds of pounds to do. Um, and we wanted to create something that was simple, that the, the people at the front line of the business could do just as easily as the directors. We found that a lot of people high up in businesses were um, being invested in behavioural models, but the people at the front end of the business were being largely ignored. And yet that's where we felt the companies could make a massive difference. Um, so we wanted to create something that was cost effective. I think it's both of those. Certainly that number one was the simplicity of use without having to go through various routines and pay significant sums of money uh, to be accredited as a user. And then the second bit you said there about cost effective. Why on earth were we paying £100 per person for a fairly basic behavioural model? So the second part there was we created Spectrum to be something that was cost effective, that was a lot cheaper than the other things that were out on the market. We wanted to make it something that was really easy to understand and mm. coaches could use immediately. It didn't take weeks and weeks and weeks of study to understand the model, but something straight away you could pick up um, and making sure that it was uh, set up so that uh, both the recipient and the coach could work together with it very, very quickly. And certainly my experience of using it has been exactly that, that people have picked it up quickly, they remember it, and when you talk to them afterwards... Uh, they can remember what their profile said about them and it had efficacy. And another factor was by putting it and making sure that it was online, it becomes instant. Even though in this modern day and age we have a significant number that still rely on paper copies, I think that's madness in this day and age. Uh, having it online means it's instantly accessible and also the individual gets their report straight away. So they don't then have to wait for the consultant to interpret it for them because probably about 80% of the report you can interpret without specialist help. So there's that simplicity, there's that online bit. There's also the environmental bit about online. You don't have to 
print out paper. We don't have to cut down trees uh, in order to make it happen. The, the, another advantage uh, of this over all the other models, as far as I'm aware, is that not only did you get your own um, report, but if you wanted to, you can set it up as a team report. So the individual gets his profile or her profile, and the manager will also get an augmented team report showing the uh, averages of all the people in the team, so you can see how the team is, is working. So, And is that something that I would do differently when I went to take the profile then? So I'd be taking either an individual one or one as part of the team profile. Is that how that works? Yeah, the person that's setting up, say the consultant that's setting it up, would either set it up as a series of individual profiles or set it up as a team. So this is team ABC, yeah. and I have 10 people in this team. You would then get a code which you pass on with the instructions, and all they do is cut and paste that code, put it into the home page, and they get their individual report. But what you get as a consultant, at no extra cost, is the team report, the consolidated Without mentioning names, there is one particular well-used product on the market that does similar. You send them the individual report and they concoct a team report from it at a cost of £1,000. On Evaluation Store, it's free. Uh, it's also very consistent. So whether you're looking at an organisation or a team or an individual, we use the same language, a common language. And for me, even more important than the language is the fact that we use colours. It means it's memorable the next day. Mm. Every single person can remember the colours and immediately you can relate those to behaviours. Okay. And do, do you find that it's very culturally um, you know, specific in the Western Europe or is it wider than that? <laughs> Thanks for that, Lee. That was one of our key prompts. <laughs> we, we got very frustrated by some of the models. In, in making this, we looked at a very wide range of the models that are used globally. And some of them were so Western or so American in some cases, that they were just unusable elsewhere. I do remember one question on one evaluation, which again should remain nameless, that said, would you enjoy a trip to Las Vegas? I mean, how on earth do you answer that if you're sitting in Lusaka or Vienna or Stockholm? It doesn't even make sense with the nuances of, of Las Vegas. So we wanted something that would be culturally relevant. This has been used in Australia, in South Africa, uh, in Zambia. It's been used in the Far East, in Japan. So yes, it is only in English, although that's something that might change in the future, but it is culturally neutral. So it's been used on every continent. Uh, and another thing with that is when you get your report, it, the, the back of the report, it gives you comparative data on how uh, you compare to other people doing the same job as you, other people in the same managerial position as you, and also uh, from the area in the country or even the country that you come from. So it, it shows you how you compare to people who are the same as you um, in, in different areas of the, of the world. So that, that fits in with what Steve was just saying as well. There's lots there then, isn't there, really, to, to think about. So uh, just one more each then. What else would you say? What makes it different, Steve? Um, one that I think is globally unique is the ability to go to a third level. So we talked about you get the individuals and they can be in teams. You also get the team report. Provided you set it up at the beginning in this way, you can get a third level. So you can have the individuals getting their reports, you can have the teams, and you can have the consolidation of the teams. So you get a report then for it may be the whole company, third level. You then get a report for the teams. It might be the finance team, the sales team, the operation team, the HR team, and so on. And then each individual also gets their own report. And again, the cost, nothing more than just the individual's getting their reports. So having three levels, I, 
understand to be globally unique. I've not seen anyone else that does that. Uh, I think my final one is, is, is something that just really says it's a very simple model. And it's based on four colours, and although the profile actually um, includes 18 colours of blends, and I think that's the only model that does that, um, at its heart is red, yellow, blue and green. And when you think about those four colours, most people can think about red, think about green, think about blue, think about yellow, and understand the behaviours without really understanding the model at all. Only yesterday I was saying to somebody, when you think of yellow behaviours, what does it conjure up for you? And they said, bright, sunny, happy, positive. And that's it. It's, just, it's really, really simple. And I think that's a, a, a really key point for it. OK, so, so it's, it's colour-based. And that, as you say, is one of the key things that makes it more memorable, I think, from having worked with it. Uh, one of the other aspects of it, of course, is that Spectrum, unlike some other profiles, gives you actually two profiles when you take your, um, your profile questionnaire. To say it gives you what it calls a, a, a normal profile, and then it gives you something that it calls a, a stress profile. So tell us, what's, what's the stress profile all about? Well, in our model, we have, as you said, two profiles. We have uh, normal and stress. But for me, we like people to understand that there are um, levels of stress. There's positive stress, stress that you would use to heighten your performance, heighten your awareness. For very short periods of time, you need to use that to be performing to a very high standard. Think of someone playing any sport and when they cross the white line for that 90 minutes in a soccer match, they have to be performing at a high level. If the pressure or stress becomes too much for them, they can then move into something we call negative stress. And now they're trying too hard. Their behaviour starts to dip. They start to make mistakes, start to make errors. And then finally, the last bit is distress. And we feel with our model that um, by understanding what happens to people when they move into stress, that managers and co-workers and friends and colleagues can give each other simple feedback to help them so that they don't go or end up in distress and, and they can actually intervene earlier. Understanding when someone's becoming more angry or uh, sulky or moody or emotional um, and us giving them the feedback, sitting down with them and talking to them is a really, really powerful way of helping people cope with stressful situations. From my perspective, using it primarily with team development, this is gold dust because people get stressed in a work situation. And having worked through with a team the various spectrum profiles, we can see people saying, well, this is what happens to me in stress. These are the signals that I'm giving off that are telling you that I'm in stress. So quite often, the individuals in the team can see that one person is stressed before they even realise or admit it. And then because we have gone through uh, the spectrum training, they're able to start dealing with that because we perform at an inferior level in stress. If we can keep people at their normal or positive stress scenarios, they are performing much better than when they are in negative stress or distress. So if everyone in the team has that knowledge, ah, oh, right, Nick, you do this when you're in stress. I'm seeing that behavior now. Therefore, you must be in stress. What do I need to do to come alongside and help you get rid of that stress and therefore perform better? That's gold dust. Particularly with mindfulness, well-being, and mental health being really high on the agenda in most companies now, this is a tool that allows everyone to be able to see the early warning signals to an employee who's struggling and allows then, as Steve said, the manager to support and help and coach. And there's only two things they need to do. That's to give them the feedback and to be able to help them with their behaviours or to remove the source of the problem.
it's all really fascinating. But the question in my mind is actually, why do we even bother to worry about behaviour? What is it about behaviour that's so important? Why do we need a profile at all? For me, um, about 80% of what we do at work, and in fact all of our lives, is directly attributed to the correct and appropriate use of behaviour. And about 20% to technical skills and knowledge. Uh, most organisations spend their L&D budgets on improving the 20%, the technical skills, improving people's ability to be accountants or HR professionals or in sales. For me, if they spent their money on improving behaviour, they would have a much more dramatic input on their business. Uh, there's two other things that I'd like to add to that. One is that we are taught as children to treat other people the way that we want to be treated. That is fundamentally wrong in our opinion. We've got to start to learn to treat other people the way that they want to be treated. This tool allows you to do that straight away. And a, a real simple one is that if you're getting angry, if you're starting to lose your temper with someone, don't just shout louder. You have to change your behaviour. You have to improve your argument. And that means having the ability to flex your behaviours and to stop using red and try and use something else, either yellow, green or blue, in that particular situation. Those are the three things that, for me, that really make behaviour and understanding behaviour work very, very important. Or it could be the other end of the scale as well. So Steve was saying people getting angry, going up the temperature scale, as it were, in behaviour. So that's how red would do. But it could be if I'm feeling stressed, I might be withdrawing. I might be uh, going quieter, uh, becoming slower, finding it more difficult to make decisions. That's just a different stress profile on a different level of the spectrum, a different side of the continuum of the axis. And I guess it's as, as powerful to have for your own self-knowledge, isn't it? In, in many ways, these profiles, I suppose, are a mirror to your, to, to your own behaviour and allow you to understand yourself and then flip it around to look at others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It really is a mirror. Um, when you complete the profile, you're really answering questions um, on yourself. Uh, and when people say to me, well, I'm not sure if the profile's quite like me, well, they answered the questions, uh, they chose the answers, um, and it should be nothing more than a numerical mirror of how you see yourself. Um, and it, and it, is it is a reflection of yourself, and it's, it's a real eye-opener. It, it was a penny-dropping moment for me when I first saw my first behavioural model 30, over 30 years ago, and ever since I've been fascinated with the topic. On that, it's uh, an interesting element on self-awareness. Some people are very self-aware, and they answer the questions that come out with a, a report and a profile that other people accept is very much like them. However, we do come across some that answer the questions and come out with a profile that people say is not like them. The majority of that is down to low self-awareness. I think I am ABC, and that's what I've put into the answers to the questions, but actually you think I'm DEF, because that's the behaviour I'm exhibiting. That becomes a very useful tool. There is on the site also a 360 version where you can get as many people as you like to fill it in about you and you can get the amalgam of what they think of you. That's always very interesting, uh, particularly as you have one level for the boss, one for peers and one for subordinates. Uh, but I would say, yes, self-awareness is critical. It's a building block of leadership. It's a building block of relationships and it can help significantly there. The, 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 the other thing with what Steve's just said is that understanding what behaviour is. And for us, behaviour is nothing more than your facial mask and eye contact, the pitch, tone and volume of the voice that you use, obviously the content and your body language. And when Steve's talking about uh, low self-awareness, it's when people are not using their facial mask and their eye contact and the musical pitch, tone and volume of their voice to be as effective as they could be. And therefore, others misread them. Uh, they see someone who's trying to use humour, 
with a dead straight face as someone who's being serious or someone who's angry but actually keeping a calm voice as not actually being angry. Um, and so we're actually almost physiotherapists of behaviour. That's what the spectrum helps you to do. And I know, Steve, that when you talk about behaviour, I've, I've seen you work with clients and, and use the model. You often talk about um, the mixing desk, don't you, behaviour. So sometimes I might want to tweak my red side of my uh, behaviour a little bit, turn that up a little bit in certain situations. In other situations, I might want to turn it down a little bit or and apply a bit more green, show a bit more green. Is that? Tell us just how, about how that works for you. A lot of people say to us that changing behaviour is impossible. I am who I am. Mm. And they get confused between behaviour and personality, which I think we're going to try and talk about a little bit later on. Mm. But the key issue for me is that you can change your behaviours without changing your personality. Um, I say to people, can you smile? And if you smile in the room, you've just changed your behaviour. Both of you are smiling now. You change your behaviour, it makes you feel differently, um, but it hasn't changed your beliefs or your values or anything about your personalities. So changing behaviour is easy. And thinking about situations that you're going to go into and having a plan to use different behaviours than you would normally usually result in a successful outcome. One thing I'll do on the mixing desk when I'm working with teams in team development is I will physically put cards, red, yellow, green and blue, uh, in lines on the floor and have a little circular button in inverted commas that's there saying, right, this is my behaviour. And then we apply it to various situations. And I will always end with the most difficult, which is, let's say you are my boss. You are going to make me redundant. It's the most difficult thing you've ever going to have to do, but it's going to be potentially life transforming for me. I have no idea this is coming. How would you set your mixing desk? And they then have a discussion about, well, my yellow should be here, my blue should be here. And it's different for different people. So there is no one answer, but getting them to think through how I can change my behaviour for that most extreme, most severe and potentially devastating conversation. Let me ask you about that then. So how does the model work? You know, it's, it's built around uh, sort of two main axes, which is, I understand, sort of throws back to, to sort of Jungian psychology, etc. Um, so can you just explain to us about how that works a bit more? Imagine you're standing in a room and you have two extremes. At one end of the room, you have extroversion. And at the other end of the room, you have introversion. And then across the middle of the room, you have a preference for being task-focused or people-focused. I'll explain those a bit more. Extroversion is um, more animated and louder, stronger eye contact, and uh, usually quite high energy. And introversion tends to be much quieter, lower uh, eye contact, and tends to be reflective and appears to be the, the thinking more. Um, the other continuum is people and task. People-focused people tend to uh, be very social and like to be in company and they get their energy from the room. And task-focused people like to get their head down and to be able to get on with stuff and complete tasks. If you imagine that cross uh, in a room and you had to stand somewhere between extroversion and introversion as to how extrovert or introvert you would be, mm. and then uh, also consider the people and task focus, you would then be standing probably in one of the four corners of the room. And in the four corners of that room, we simply have red, which we think is more extrovert and task-focused, yellow, which we think is extrovert and more people-focused, green, which is more introvert and people-focused, and blue, which is more uh, introvert and task-focused. And immediately then, you've got your main colour. 
Um, there are 18 colours in the blend, but we, we'll start with the four because that's that, that keeps it really, really simple. Okay, so before we go into that, so I think most people will understand introvert, extrovert. Uh, we It's language that we use from 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 sort of very young, really. Most people that I've worked with certainly understand that. But the task focus, people focus bits. When I hear that, I, my mind goes to left and right brain theory. Hmm. Uh, and I know that, you know, there are people that say, well, actually, that, that's, you know, that's a load of old bunk and that's not true anymore. So, so tell us, just, just unpack yeah. that for us, can you, Steve? Yeah, the left and right brain theory, uh, really, that comes, that's Roger Sperry with his, I think it was 1968 Nobel Prize. Uh, this continuum of task and people really predates that by about 40 years. So we're talking stuff that... Uh, Carl Jung was looking at in the 1920s but really Carl Jung was standing on the shoulders of giants he was using stuff that was centuries older as well and developing it but just to put to bed the left and right brain theory Roger Sperry got his Nobel Prize for saying that the brain was in two halves a left and a right and what he then said is that the left does this 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 and the right does that 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 we now realize that that is not biologically correct I think my favorite quote is from Stephen Rose who says that Every memory is simultaneously everywhere and nowhere. Uh, however, it's still a useful metaphor. So as long as we see it as a metaphor only, then I'm happy to use that sort of language. As are some others. So one of the regular users of Evaluation Store is the Brain Friendly Learning Group. And they are people that bring psychology and particularly the neuroscience side of psychology into learning and development. They are really very happy to uh, use all these terms with those conditions, as long as we has realised that it never has been biologically accurate. And ultimately, Roger Sperry wasn't right, but they never did take his Nobel Prize away from him, did they? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we know that certain parts of your brain, if I, you know, if I poke you on the left-hand side of the brain, it might be that your right arm comes up. There's, there's something in there biological about some of the way the brain is networked. But, but I think from a psychology perspective, from a behavioural perspective, perspective rather uh, what we're talking about is a model and a model is a simplification of reality and this gives us that that bedrock that we it's can a metaphor at. yeah yeah that's what we're looking for yeah. really it's a metaphor for how we behave um using the room uh, analogy is very very powerful and it allows people to physically see where they sit in the model and they get it very very quickly by the way i think both steve and i have used this with children and once children get to early teens they understand this well, that's uh, prompted me. Can I go off at a tangent here and say the spectrum questions on evaluation store are all work specific. So, yes, we have used it with children and we can use it socially, but all the questions are work specific. So you then get the answer of this is how I behave at work, because many of us, maybe even most of us, behave slightly differently at work than we do at home or we do socially. And we have a word for that. That word is called normal. So for me, I will tend to be more extrovert in my working life than I am in my home life. Perfectly normal. Some models try and combine those and therefore smudge the issue. Spectrum is unashamedly a work tool. Now, the principles, as Steve rightly says, can be used with uh, children, can be used with adults in a social situation. But all the questions, it's a work tool. And I guess uh, also for me to feedback in terms of how I've used it, it's the language. It's a simple language that people use to talk about behaviour, isn't it? So yes. it's, you don't necessarily talk about you do this or you do that. You can talk about red behaviour, blue behaviour, which depersonalises some of that conversation.
I think uh, although the Steve has said that the the model it, uh, has been uh, the questions have been set up for work based um, performance, which is absolutely right. The model is universal, mm. um, and as you know, Nick, we use a formula which describes behaviour. And uh, we don't want to get into too deep a theory on the, on, on a podcast like this, but uh, uh, that we have a, a P times S over R and C equals B, and I'll just explain those letters to you quickly. So, what, what was that? Just say that again, P, because you suddenly oh, suddenly threw some mathematics at me, and I glazed over for yeah, a minute. It's not so algebra. Explain that again. It's P, a P times S yep. over R plus C equals B, and each of those letters stands for something. The P is your personality. The S is situation, the R is the role that you're playing in that particular moment, the C is culture, and the B is behaviour. We've already talked about behaviour, it's face, voice, body language, eye contact. Personality is deep stuff, um, it's your beliefs and your values, and, and, and probably inherited and learned in the first 15, 20 years of your life. Um, situation is dynamic, every second of every day the situation changes. Your role even changes, because you could be mother, father, sister, brother, boss, subordinate, depending on the situation you're in. And uh, we also look at culture. And around the world, we understand that culture changes in different countries. Different countries are more have a, a preference for using slightly higher red as the norm than we do in the UK. But that's the formula that we use to describe the behaviour. And Spectrum Model describes... Um, the behaviour, not the personality. And, and Steve, you were itching to come in there to say <laughs> something as well. What was it that you wanted to share? Oh, there could be several. The one, the, the third or fourth thing that came to my mind when you were saying, oh, you're talking about national stereotypes. I find that fascinating. Uh, the original work done on national stereotypes was done by Hofstede. Uh, and we've seen this in the evaluation store results because we hold the data anonymously, I hasten to add, for data protection uh, purposes. Uh, that we can then see the average German is this profile, the average Austrian is slightly different at this profile. And when I was doing a speech in Austria, I was in Vienna at Vienna University, uh, and I showed the difference between a German and an Austrian, they were delighted that they were different <laughs> from the Germans. But you then go elsewhere. Uh, the average Southern European mm. is really very different from the average Northern European. So, uh, and even go to America. And within America, there is no one American profile. What we tend to see with the colours is that the, the Midwest has a lot stronger blue. Uh, the West Coast tends to have a lot stronger yellow or higher yellow. The East Coast, particularly the Northeast, tends to have a lot stronger red. And if we're into the Deep South, uh, the green tends to be the dominant colour. So you do get these national stereotypes, which I find are absolutely fascinating. And, and we're going to talk later about how people use it, but I think you could also see that, therefore, if you have a range of profiles across your business, you can start to draw a picture of what your organisational culture might be like. And so perhaps we can come back to that. Steve, mm. you want to say something? I, else? I just wanted to pick up on something that Steve said about um, looking around the world at different uh, uh, countries and how they have a preference for a colour and just try to translate that for the listener um, into what they might see and hear. If we just take uh, Southern Europe, for example, Spain and Italy, the Latin-based countries, you will immediately see that most men are more animated than they are in the UK. Louder voice, speak faster. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're angrier. Um, if we were to use the same amount of body language and volume in the UK, the recipient would think we're cross. But in Italy and Spain, they don't. It's just the normal for them. Whereas if you go to uh, Germany, uh, you've got much more blue, so a stronger process uh, driving. The emotional variance is slightly less. 
And if you're going to do business with these people, you need to mirror that. You need to change your mixing desk so that you are behaving in a way that's normal for them, not a way that's normal for you. Okay, so the, so the, we're based on the four main colours, and I think what we'd like to do is probably have another episode that explores each of those colours in some detail. Uh, but you've told us that red is the task-focused extrovert, yellow is the people-focused extrovert, blue is the um, task-focused introvert, and green is the people-focused introvert. Well, have I got that right? Okay, it's um, without any visual clues, I did quite well there. It's, so, uh, but there are 18 colours, so the full model is more than that, and it includes blends and double blends in a nutshell how does that work the the simple explanation for that is that previously all the models i've worked with tend to pitch you in one area if your preference is for red everyone will call you red or they'll use a word that describes red red directing controlling um, we believe that actually the majority of people use in fact we know that all people use a blend of all four behaviors every human being um, can use all four behaviours whenever they want to, if they learn how to use them. So we started to think, well, if you're a mix of blue and red, or you're a mix of yellow and green, you might have a dual blend. You might have a mix of three colours. And in fact, we've gone one step further and looked at people that have, actually have an equal mix of all four colours. Um, and I don't know the stats off the top of my head. Steve might know the answer to this. But we, I would guess that there are equally a number of people who use double and triple and quadruple blends as there are just a single colour. Yeah, I think the stats are, uh, in first place, is a double blend. Second place is a triple blend. Very close behind that is uh, all four. And then in last place is someone who exhibits a single colour well up and above all the others. Okay, brilliant. So um, I think the plan is for uh, anybody who is listening to this is that we're going to explore those blends in some detail in later episodes so we can really talk about what it is to be uh, tan, what it is to be uh, lime, to show those colours and to explain how they work. Uh, but for this one, just starting to tie us off now because obviously time is important and we're going to start to wind a conversation up. Um, but just tell us how you've used it. You know, you, you, you've both used Spectrum uh, in, for real, in real organisations. Just tell us a bit about some of that, some of those stories, perhaps. Uh, the, my first example is with a, a chain of restaurants uh, where we used the, the standard model with four colours, and we were teaching the waiters and the waitresses to uh, look at the preference of their customers in red, yellow, green, and blue, and serve those customers in their colour. And we got them to actually describe to us what does a red customer want from you. And we uh, discovered that they wanted a very quick service. They knew what they wanted and they wanted to pay straight away. So the waiters and waitresses treated that person in that way. Uh, when a blue customer came in, they wanted time to read the menu. And they had a lot of questions about what was in the menu. They wanted to know the calories and whether it had gluten in it or not. And so we allowed them time and we didn't put them under pressure. The green customers wanted advice. What would you have? What do you think is the best dish? What wine would go with this? And the yellow customers came in and were just wanting to socialise and have fun and wanted the waiters and waitresses to spend time with them. They weren't really interested so much in the food, they were more interested in the experience. Um, when we uh, used this model in, in the restaurants, we had a, a, an upsurge in customer satisfaction by about 20%, and we had sales increase by between 20 and 40%. Wow. So we know the model works. Mm. Steve? 
And that links into the whole return on investment element that this can be financially beneficial. So I could tell loads and loads of stories of things that happen with groups all over Europe that I've been involved with. But my favourite is a story where I wasn't actually doing Spectrum. This was not a course on behaviour. It was a finance course for senior sales directors, a two-day finance course. And we were in Barcelona. And the host, the sales director for that Catalan region, was telling me a story of he had visited this particular customer five times and had not made a sale. The story went on. We were talking in the bar in the intervening evening of this two-day course. We got the laptop up and we did a Spectrum profile on his customer, an A another Spectrum profile. That then brings out a whole load of information. It was a very blue behaving customer. It shows the underpinning values of blue. And we started going through those to say, right, well, what's really making this customer tick? We came to an answer. So I said, if that's the case, then these are the steps you need to take with this customer. One, two, three, four, five. Wrote them all down, sales director. Within a week, I got an email saying, I have just sold in a 100,000 euro trial and if this goes well that will be a 500,000 euro sale so a 19 pounds 99 an other spectrum <laughs> within a week got 100,000 euros with a probable 500,000 to follow superb okay well uh, so it's you know it's, it's all fascinating and exciting so um just to wrap us up then I mean, obviously some of the people that are listening to here might not have taken a profile yet. So how do they take a profile? If I want to take a profile, how do I do that? If you go to www.evaluationstore.com, go towards the bottom right of the homepage, where that is the individual section. There's also a team section and an organisational section. But bottom right is the individual Click anywhere in that region and it will take you through to all the individual evaluations. There are um, five or six. I think it's the top, yes, it is the top one, is Spectrum. Okay. Simply follow the instructions. The critical thing when you're following the instructions is don't leave it for five minutes. If the screen is still for one minute, it will kick you out. There's a reason for that, uh, which is to do with uh, security. But do it in one go. It, on average, takes somewhere in the region of 11, 12 minutes. You put in your email address, and within four minutes, the report is sitting in your inbox. Okay, so I think what we would say actually is that um, this is episode one. In subsequent episodes, we'll look at uh, the individual colours and how they work. So if you haven't yet taken a profile, it's well worth going online to get your profile and then have that with you for when we come back and start to talk about the individual colours and what they mean and how they work together. I think that sounds like a good plan. Would you not agree? Yes, absolutely. Sounds good. It sounds good. Okay, so well, that's what we'll come back to. Um, so we covered all we can probably in terms of this episode. Um, so I think next time what we'll do is come back, we'll take a look at the four main colours, explore some of the strengths and weaknesses uh, that go with those and look at how you can spot the behaviour and how you can work constructively with it. Uh, we'll also look at those colours under stress and then we can see how others change and how we might change ourselves and how we can even lead people who might be working with those colours. Uh, so I really hope that you can join us then. In the meantime, uh, my thanks to the two Steves uh, who are sitting here exhibiting various different behaviours, and one, one smiling broadly and the other one a bit more thoughtful. Uh, so perhaps we could explore what your colours might be in the, in, the, in the upcoming sessions as well. Thank you very much to you gentlemen for sharing your time with us. Um, and thank you, uh, the listener, for listening. Remember that we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to email us any questions about 
spectrum that you may have to podcasts at poppyfish.co.uk or look at evaluationstore.com and find out more about the profile. And if you haven't already done so, you can obtain, of course, your own profile online. And we hope very much that you do that. So we'll be back soon. But for the time being, from me, goodbye. And from the Steves. Goodbye. Goodbye.